This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion one verse at a time. Well, hello, everyone. Jeremy Myers here, back for another episode of the One Verse Podcast. Today, we're going to be looking at Matthew 28, 19, and 20, and specifically the word baptism in that verse, which lots of people debate and argue over, especially the types of words that need to be said when you get baptized. I don't care whether it was baptized as an infant, baptized as an adult, believer's baptism, uh, you know, baptism by immersion, all that, okay? Different people feel like different words that need to be said. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, and especially if we learn anything from Jesus in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, and what he instructs his disciples to do when they go into all the world and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining me. By the way, I should let you know that this study is drawn partly from my online course, the Gospel Dictionary. That, that uh, course looks at 52 keywords of the gospel. One of them, of course, is baptism. And in the uh, each, each entry tries to define the word according to the, what we read in Scripture, and then looks at several key texts, key passages from the Bible, uh, where this definition will help us better understand that text. So obviously, one of the words is baptism. And obviously, one of the passages we look at is Matthew 28, 19, and 20. So, uh, this is just sort of a preview of some of the content that you can gain in that course. Now, that course is normally about $300. Please don't pay that. All you need to do to take the course absolutely free is join my online discipleship group. Uh, there is a small fee to join the group, uh, but uh, you get over $1,000 in courses just for joining. And that's my way of saying thank you. Joining the group is just your way of thanking me for this podcast and books and, and the blog and some of the other things I put out there for free. And if that benefits you, and uh, you have uh, learned from it, then you can say thank you to me by joining the discipleship group. And then I say thank you to you. See, it's all just a whole big package of thank you here. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, that's how you can take the course, okay? Uh, all 52 keywords, plus all the other courses I have there, Gospel According to Scripture. I have a course on election, uh, a course on church, a course on prayer, and I'm adding more courses all the time. So uh, that's there for you. To learn more, just go to redeeminggod.com slash join. Okay, so with that in mind, let's look at our study of Matthew 28, 19, and 20. So there is quite a bit of debate around the words that need to be said when a person gets baptized. I don't know what your tradition might practice or what, what words were said when you were baptized. Some people baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the way I was baptized in my teenage years. Uh, but other people say, no, no, no. We need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and if you think that's sort of a silly argument for Christians to engage in, you're right. <laughs> uh, we Christians do love to argue about, sometimes argue about the dumbest things, all right? Uh, in fact, in my book, Dying to Religion and Empire, I talk about how some Christians seem to view baptism as sort of a magical incantation. 
right? Like they've gone to, to Harry Potter Hogwarts School of Magic or something, and they need the right symbols with the right elements and the right words. And if you say everything right and do everything right, the proper hand motions and the sign of the cross and the words and enough water, okay? If you do everything right, then baptism works. But if it doesn't, well, then your baptism was ineffective, right? <laughs> and uh, so some people sort of treat baptism that way. It's a magical incantation. The whole thing really is obviously, uh, frankly, quite ridiculous. All right. Now, the reason, okay, let's back up. The reason some people view that, of course, think that, is because they do think baptism is required in order to receive eternal life. And so obviously, if baptism is required to receive eternal life, well, you better do it right. You better have the right words with the right water in the right way with the right person at the right time, okay? In the right type of water, river, pool, lake, whatever, Okay, uh, in order, you know, the water blessed by the priest, whatever, in order for it to be effective, if you re need it to receive eternal life. Now, thankfully, baptism is not required for eternal life, and I talked about that in last week's podcast episode, okay? So you can go back and listen to that if you would like. So anyway, um, we're going to try to solve this debate for you anyway, even though I think the whole argument is a little bit ridiculous, but nevertheless, uh, it's important to talk about because you know, it's in the Bible. So it's theology, and I love theology, and I love talking about uh, Bible passages. So let's go ahead and talk about it. Um, and along the way, we will learn what Matthew 28, 19, and 20, hopefully, is actually teaching. So uh, the origins of this baptism debate, by the way, maybe we should start there. Obviously, people want to get baptized in the right way uh, so that their baptism is effective. And uh, by looking at Matthew uh, 28, 19, and 20, I'm not going to be able to solve the entire debate for you, um, you know, about who can be baptized, who's supposed to perform the baptism, you know, whether it should be run, the baptism should be done in a standing pool of water, in a running pool of water, whether it's baptism by sprinkling, baptism by, you know, full immersion underwater. Matthew 28, 19, and 20 does not speak really to any of that. Really, the only thing I want to focus on as we're looking at this, this uh, verse today is the words that are sometimes said, the argument about the words that are sometimes said when a person gets baptized. So in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, when Jesus is sort of giving the final instructions to his disciples, he tells them to go into all the world, you know, teach them to observe, so on. But he says, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so some people say, well, Jesus taught us that when we baptize, we should say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so a lot of Christians follow the instructions of Jesus the way he taught in those verses. And that's the way I was baptized. That's the way my church tradition practiced as I was growing up. And as I was a pastor, that is what I did. Now, when we get into book Acts, though, we see a problem. Because when the apostles actually go out and start baptizing people, and we see in the text the words they say when they baptize people. They don't actually baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What they say is, I baptize you in the name of Jesus. All right, you can see Acts 2.38, Acts 8.12, uh, Acts 8.16, 10.48, 19.5. Okay, I went through those fast. Uh, but uh, you just look it up in Acts and, and, you know, or do a Google search or whatever. And, uh, and you'll see. So people say, well, uh, so which is it? Jesus said, baptize this way, but when the apostles went out, they baptized that way. And so there's this big debate. And some people try to solve the debate by saying, well, Jesus said, 
in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. And since Jesus reveals God to us, and you know, there's the whole Trinity thing, uh, it's okay to baptize in the name of Jesus because that's the one who represents God to us and Trinity to us and all of that. Okay, so there's that whole, whole debate. But, but of course, uh, the problem with that, part of the problem with that is that God's name is not Jesus necessarily. I mean, Jesus is God, and so in that sense, God's name is Jesus. But according to, you know, the Hebrew scriptures, God's name is Yahweh. And of course, as far as I know, we don't have a name for the Holy Spirit given to us anywhere other than, you know, something like Comforter, but that's sort of, you know, paraclete, that sort of describes what he does, not necessarily his name. So anyway, there's that whole debate. It gets into sort of off into the weeds there. So, but if we follow the examples of the apostles and baptize in the name of Jesus, then, then are we disobeying the very words of Jesus who told us to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? So anyway, you sort of get an idea here for the debate. All right, so let me suggest, I'm going to suggest one crazy idea here that hopefully will solve some of this debate for you, okay? And uh, the key to this whole baptism debate one of the keys, one of the main keys anyway, is to recognize that the word baptism is not a translation of a Greek word at all, but is a transliteration. Okay, what's the difference? Well, when people translate a word, you know about translation, they take a word from one language and they're going to give it the equivalent meaning of, uh, in another language by, by giving a different word. Okay, so examples in Greek. Um, theos, all right? That's Greek for God. Uh, but uh, so we, when translators read theos in the Greek New Testament, they write down the English word God. Uh, hamartia is another one, okay? It's a Greek word, hamartia. And when uh, the translators read that, they say, oh, hamartia, that means sin in English. So rather than write down hamartia, they write down sin. It's the equivalent. It's the translation of the word. But for some inexplicable, strange reason, there's a few Greek words that Bible translators don't translate. Instead, they transliterate them. Okay. And um, when they transliterate a word, what they do is they take the Greek word, and then rather than translate it, they just change the Greek letters into English letters. So the Greek beta becomes a B, the Greek alpha becomes an A, the Greek pi becomes a P, so on, okay? And uh, so they change the Greek letters into English letters, and then that's it. They write down the English letters, and there's your, there's your English word. But it's not a translation, it's a transliteration. They just changed the Greek letters into English letters, okay, and then took off some of the Greek endings for the verbs and the nouns and so on, which we don't really have in English so much, and then left it good. So, uh, baptism, well, let's back up. There's a couple of words uh, that we might know about. Christ, for example, is not an English word. Jesus Christ, uh, the, the Greek word is Christos. So here, um, the translators transliterated Christos into Christ. That's where the word comes from. Uh, we look at Christ in the Gospel Dictionary course. Another word is euangelion becomes evangelism. Okay, euangelion is the Greek word, and they just changed it into evangelism. The U and, and uh, the upsilon and, and the V, they, they just, you know, get sort of confused in Greek and English. And so, anyway, um, they just changed the Greek letters into English letters, and euangelion becomes evangelism. Same thing has happened with the word baptism, all right? It's not an English word at all. It's a Greek word. And rather than translate 
the Greek word, they, the, the translators of the Bible transliterated it. <laughs> Did you follow all that? Now, how does this help? Okay, well, um, when we translate the Greek word baptisma or baptizo in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, all right, we get a clue as to what Jesus might have actually been teaching. All right, and this leads to the crazy suggestion about Matthew 28, 19, and 20 that might help solve this debate. Now, before I get to that suggestion, let me just give you a little bit more background. Everybody knows what Matthew 28, 19, and 20 is all about. It's the Great Commission. And in this Great Commission, Jesus is giving some final instructions to his disciples, and we all know what the instructions were. Go, imperative, make disciples, right, of all nations, okay? And uh, he told them to go and teach to the rest of the world, teach these disciples the things that he has taught them. Very similar to what Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 2.2. Things you've learned from me, teach unto others who can teach others also. Okay? So that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, you've learned a bunch from me over these past three years. Take these things and now and teach them to other people also. Okay? So teaching sort of involves these three uh, stages. You know, you learn something from somebody else. You learn it yourself. You teach it. And then, of course, you teach it in a way so that they can go on and teach it others. Anyway, none of that's challenging, new, or crazy. Everybody knows that. Everybody agrees with that. Here's the crazy suggestion, okay? What if, when it comes to Matthew 28, 19, and 20, we actually translate <laughs> the Greek word baptizo instead of transliterate it? Is that crazy or what? <laughs> Uh, what if we translate to the Greek word instead of transliterate? All right, the Greek word baptizma means immersion, and uh, obviously the verb is baptizo, and it means to immerse. All right, and lots of people make a big deal about that. They say, see, see, baptism is immersion. We talked about that previously in last week's podcast episode, so I'm not going to get into that now. Uh, you can be immersed in all sorts of things, but uh, I, I, will, I will point that out again here in just a minute. But if we translate... Matthew 28, 19, and 20, instead of transliterate, right? Here's how Matthew 28, 19 would read. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, immersing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. All right, so Jesus... He instructs his disciples to go make disciples. How? Well, by teaching them everything he has taught them. And notice this, making disciples and teaching appear to be parallel to immersing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three words are parallel in the Greek here. So it seems then that immersing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with dunking them underwater while you say words over them but instead might refer to making disciples and teaching them everything I've taught you. Look, if I told you, hey, I got a lot of really good content on my blog at redeeminggod.com, I want to invite you to immerse yourself in my blog. What am I asking you to do? Am I saying that you need to somehow take a computer and like get in your bathtub and dunk the computer <laughs> Don't do that. It might fry yourself, okay? Uh, maybe it doesn't happen anymore. Uh, don't do that. I'm not asking you to do that when I say immerse yourself on my blog. But if I tell my daughter she's got this big math exam coming up, and I say, I want you to immerse yourself in your math for the next week to prepare for this exam. Am I telling her to go down to the local river with her math books and swim around in the river with her math books under her arm? No, it has nothing to do with water. 
Okay, I'm telling her, study hard for the exam. Study your math hard. If I tell my wife, I want to immerse you in my love. <laughs> Does this mean I want to plunge her underwater at the swimming pool? Well, I say, I love you, Wendy. I love you. No. Okay? Uh, it means I want to show her intangible, concrete actions and ways that I really do love her. So when Jesus says, go immerse people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, is he saying, go dunk them underwater while you say, I immerse you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Is that what he's saying? Or could it be that just like he said, go make disciples and teach them to observe everything I commanded you, could it be that when Jesus says, immerse them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, what he's actually saying is, go teach them what God is like what I am like, what Jesus is like, what the Holy Spirit is like. Hey, my disciples, everything you've learned from me over the last three years about God the Father, about me as the Son, and about the Holy Spirit, take these things and go teach them to others as well. Just as you have been immersed in these teachings, immerse other people in these teachings also, and that is how you will make disciples. All right? So, you might say, Jeremy, what are you saying? Are you saying that we should then baptize people in the name of Jesus? Are you siding with the Jesus-only crowd and the, the people who say we should baptize in the name of Jesus when we dunk them underwater? <laughs> no. Uh, if, if, if that's what you get out of this podcast, then you've missed the, the, the point entirely. Okay, look, the, the point is this. There aren't any magic words, okay? In fact, it's not about the words that you say at all. In fact, I would say, as long as we Christians keep arguing about words, we're missing the entire point of the teachings of Jesus. We probably need to go immerse ourselves in his teachings some more. Okay, now look, if you want to get dunked underwater, fine, good, right? It's a beautiful picture of our death and burial with Jesus, and then our resurrection to a new life with Jesus. That's what water baptism is all about. And if you want to participate in that and all the symbolic wonderfulness of it, then great, go ahead, wonderful, please, you have my blessing. And honestly, I don't care what words you say as that's happening. Okay, and I don't think the Bible really cares either because it's not about the words you say. It's about what is being symbolized. It's about what's going on in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit. And, and, and ultimately whether you are actually going to follow Jesus in the path of discipleship, okay? The real thing Jesus wants us to learn from him is what God is like, what he is like, what the Holy Spirit is like, and how we can live in a relationship, a day-by-day -day relationship with him and with one another as well. Okay? Jesus wants us to follow his example of death and resurrection so that we lay down our lives for others just as he did. Jesus wants us to die to ourselves so that we can rise again to new life in him. Okay, so that's Matthew 28, 19, and 20. I know it might be a different way of hearing the passage than you've ever heard before, but I think that if you think about it and understand that baptism can be translated in verse 19 rather than transliterated, and then understand the word immersion in the context Okay, immerse yourself in the teachings of Jesus and what he taught, then uh, the passage makes a whole lot more sense. And this entire debate about what words to say when someone goes under the water, when they have some water sprinkled on their head, whatever, 
all that debate just goes away, and we can focus on following Jesus, loving Jesus, living for Jesus, and loving other people like Jesus as well, rather than condemning people because their baptism was wrong. Okay, so look, stop arguing about the mode and the method and the magic words of baptism. Instead, just start living for Jesus and loving others like Jesus, as he commanded us in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. So that's Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Look, I would appreciate your feedback, ideas, suggestions. If you object to this and have some ideas to the contrary, please just go over to redeeminggod.com slash Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Search for it on Google if you can't get there immediately and uh, leave a comment for me. And ultimately, of course, I invite you to join my online discipleship group. Just go to redeeminggod.com slash join to learn more. And uh, because there we do talk about these things in the discipleship group. We have a great online community on Facebook, a a secret Facebook group where people ask questions, get help, not just with Bible and theology, but all sorts of things of life. There's people posting questions and comments, needing help and encouragement in there all day long. And so if that's something you like, please join us. Uh, I, I would love to have you there. Um, But then also, when you join us, you get access to the online discipleship group courses, such as my course, The Gospel Dictionary, which looks at 52 keywords of the gospel, including baptism. So we look at uh, uh, the the text we looked at today, along with several others. So anyway, hope to see you there. Again, just go to redeeminggod.com slash join. And I can't wait to see you on the inside. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening today. And remember, may your life and theology look more and more like Jesus Christ.